Hello, friends. Welcome to Originality Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Dalton. And joining me today, as always, is our show's awesome producer, Amanda Foster. What's up? I'm back. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you're back. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought of that. I was like, oh. Yeah, this is our first episode since you you missed your first episode. the first episode I had ever missed, which was so sad. sad. Honestly, I think it was maybe the best episode we've ever done. Well, I'm glad that I was able to step out of the way finally so y'all could have your best episode. I mean, your editing was brilliant as well. Thanks. Thanks. But we we all missed you. I missed I missed y'all too. I really wanted to be there, but I mean, it was perfect and I don't think I don't think it was the best ever because you weren't there. I think it was because we were interviewing a couple. It's a very different format. Yeah. Which speaking of, we are interviewing another couple today. I am so excited to introduce you guys to two people that are near and dear to my heart, Josiah and Danielle Dalton. Hey guys. Hey, it's good to be here. Um, Josiah and Danielle are a six and nine, which is so fun. Um, I haven't talked about the connections between six, nine, and three much, but they're called anchor points and they make a little triangle in the Enneagram and they all interact with each other in really fun ways. Um, so it'll be really exciting and fun to explore some of that dynamic, um, even within your own marriage and what the Enneagram looks like to you. But why don't you guys go ahead and just share a little bit about who you are, where you're from, what you do for a living. Yeah, so uh, I am a real estate agent. I came from a big family. I have six brothers. Um, and some people ask, like, six? And yeah, six. Um, <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> but that's just, that's what I was thinking in my head. I was like, six? <laughs> yes, six brothers. So um, there was lots of um, craziness uh, growing up. Uh, stupid stunts we were always pulling and um, stuff like that. I came uh, from a uh, pastor's family. My dad was bivocational and um, now um, enjoy uh, married life, uh, work, and uh, raising our kids. Yeah. um, I am basically a stay-at-home mom. We've got two kids, a nine-month little girl and a three-year-old who's very, very busy. (laughs) Lots of fun, (laughs) lots of fire. (laughs) Um, So I do that. And then I also help support Josiah with some of the real estate like stuff on social media, paperwork, that kind of thing for the real estate stuff. So those are my two main things currently. Awesome. So why don't you guys just share a little bit about how you first came across the Enneagram haha, and just how how you began to learn about it and maybe how what that process was like for you. Well, I uh, came about it mainly through you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, guilty. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I think we have a lot of family uh, discussions around personality. Um, Just in, a couple every in once our in a while. Family, so it uh, <laughs> comes up. I think uh, John, Jessica's uh, husband, a few, few times is like, okay, I'm out because he's, he's around <laughs> personality a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say now, like, he is also become like an expert i guess i rub off a little bit (laughs) yep for sure yeah and i learned it through jessica as well i'm pretty sure because we were talking about other a couple other different types of personality tests and things but then we came across enneagram we started discussing i don't even know how many years back that was probably what three years it's been a while i feel like three or four yeah so um yeah, it's helped me probably three years a lot. I don't. I'm trying to think process wise. I mean, Jessica's done coaching with me, um, so it's helped me be really a little bit more self aware um, in understanding like 
family dynamics and even some with Josiah and his relationship to you. Um, but just being really self-aware has helped me overall in growth. So, um, yeah. Awesome. So, Josiah, as an Enneagram type nine, what would you say you have resonated with the most about your type? Um, I think one of the biggest, like, I guess, growth ways that I've that I found is through realizing how much I get, I kind of lose myself mm. because of um, always thinking about others, which it can be a good thing, but um, I'm like... I almost just don't even think about myself at all. And so I realize sometimes I'm like, I don't know what I want um, in this situation. I don't know what I want to eat or what I want to do. And so sometimes if I don't have somebody else telling me what they want, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I'll give you an example. Actually, uh, yesterday I was talking with the Lord. I was at a coffee shop. I was going to do some work. And uh, I felt like the Lord said to have fun. And I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I don't know. I felt really awkward. And so I just kept being busy and didn't really have fun. Because um, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. He's like, I want you to dig deep. And you're like, uh. I got nothing. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I've uh, just realized that that God does care about and other people care about what I want and that it matters what I want. And I can't really be myself or be who God's called me to be if I don't bring myself to the table, you know? Yeah. So let's go ahead and ask the same question to Danielle. So Danielle, in learning about your Enneagram type, what would you say you've resonated with the most? So I think the thing that I've learned the most or like resonated with is that um, needing security, needing stability and really having to go to the Lord for that. Like mm-hmm. things are always shifting, changing. Like you talk about our culture right now, our world. Like if I can't find that solidness in him as a Enneagram six, who's like, I, can, you know, you can really be anxious about life and about what it throws at you if you're not aware <laughs> of yeah. that being a thing and you walking in anxiety. So tendency towards anxiety and now being aware of what kind of triggers that or causes that has helped yeah. for sure. Yeah. So Josiah, as a nine, what is it like being married to an Enneagram type six? <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good save. <laughs> save answer. <laughs> Start uh, with that. <laughs> no, uh, it really is. Um, I think there has been a stability about our relationship that um, is probably unique to a lot of relationships just because we do one, just care for each other. But I think, you know, almost overly sometimes, you know, aware of each other, thinking about each other, you know, to the exclusion of ourselves. But, but I think because of that, we, we haven't maybe had as many arguments, you might say, as some people might have, or there hasn't been as many like big blow up things. There's a, in general, there's a lot more peace I feel like than than maybe some relationships. So, um, I think that's been been kind of cool just to see like people told us, "Oh, your first year is going to be horrible," you know. I'm like, "Oh, it actually wasn't that bad," you know. Yeah. <laughs> we enjoyed it, yeah. um, yeah. <laughs> you true. know. And so I think some people like have told us that it's supposed to be worse, like marriage is supposed to be worse. And so I think because of some of our personalities, it hasn't, there hasn't been some of the same, you know, like blow up movie moments. Yeah. Wow. So Danielle, what is it like 
as an Enneagram six being married to an Enneagram type nine. <laughs> it's amazing. I just I have fit probably everything that I had really wanted. Um, and God knew that I needed to wait for him. I was married. We were, I was 34 when we got married. So I had waited for quite a while. And so when I, the gift that I got in him has been incredible more than I, again, I think I said that earlier, but more than I had asked for. And so, um, I think the stability, the dependability, the faithfulness, all of those things that he, there's so much more than just that, but I know as far as Enneagram nine type, you know, mix in there is those types of things. Like he does bring stability and security to me as a six. I don't really worry if he's out, you know, past a certain time or whether or not he's going to care for the kids. Well, those kinds of things, I don't think about it. And so anyway, so that's been, I feel like there's a lot of peace in our home because of that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think overarching um, because of his leadership and um, care and concern for me and the children too. So, yeah. So speaking of the kids, I want to hear a little bit about what has it been like in your marriage and just for both of you personally becoming parents. It's such a big life transition. It challenges your relationship in a different way. It challenges you in such a different way. How have you ad- Uh, been challenged and adapted um, both personally and in your marriage to this new season? Um, Struggle for me is because uh, with kids, it brings up more anxieties, you know, and so being a nine, I like want to keep all the stuff at peace. And so, you know, it's like it it does make it harder to manage that for me. Well, and a nine in stress moves to six. Yep. So, <laughs> yep. and, um, so, so this is, this is the triangle I was talking about earlier. So, uh, we have not covered paths yet on the podcast. It has been a goal for a while. I'm going to do a series <laughs> on paths, but, um, every Enneagram number has a, uh, a number it moves toward in growth and a number it moves t- towards in stress. And that's very common across uh, Enneagram curriculum books um, that you see that talked about. What's not usually talked about is that you take on both positive and negative characteristics of both your stress and your growth number. So you, you have a very dynamic personality. So as a nine, you are connected to six in stress and three in growth. But you take on positive and negative characteristics of both. And as a six, Danielle, mm-hmm. you go to three in stress and nine in growth. And as a three, Amanda. Hey, <laughs> yeah. we're in the triangle right now. <laughs> and we're sitting in a triangle. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> I, I did not expect to be a part of this. <laughs> So as a, a, a three, Amanda, you move towards six in growth and nine in stress. So yeah, you guys make up the whole triangle right here in this room. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, um, so I, I would assume, and and I'm too close to you guys to to play at guessing. And because I, I know you too well, gosh darn it, that's one of the funnest <laughs> things about like talking to people about their enneagram types. Is I can kind of predict a lot of their relational dynamics, <laughs> but I, I know you guys too well to do that. Um, but you know, when you get stressed, Josiah, and you go to six, and you are stressed, and you have all the unhealth of of, of the sixness of the anxiety, and you're pulling on 
some of the unhealth of a three of just like working yourself to the bone mm-hmm. and just pushing past your emotions and trying to, you know, just bulldoze through and make it. And, and <laughs> True story. <laughs> it is true. I don't know that I've made that connection before, though. Oh. I don't know that we've specifically talked about that. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense to me, though. Because mm-hmm. that, that is definitely... And sometimes almost have to talk, like, you're trying to bulldoze through that, like, it's not working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and usually yeah. if I do that, I have a full-on... We'd actually, sadly enough, on our vacation, that happened. I It was the last night we were there <laughs> when <laughs> you and John were taking the girls for a date for us. And I don't... He said that to me. He's like, you're not really dealing with the emotion, like, right now. And I, like... Full on sobbed, but it was like holding on to stuff from like the whole week and not actually processing. It's probably the biggest dynamic change as far as being a parent now. I don't have a lot of space or feel a lot of space to take time to process Mm -hmm. emotion. Mm. And so um, it'll come out like that more often where it'll be like this whole big thing because I've been holding holding myself together for a really long time. So, Mm. yeah. So he's right. That does happen. But that's, I don't know that I've really made it to connection on the Enneagram piece before. Yeah. So. so interesting. So yeah, I think probably for everyone under the sun, having an infant or a two or three-year-old means that you are living in a state of stress. Like you're in a state of fight or flight 95% of the time. There are some people I've met that are not like that. But for the most part, that season yep. of life is just more intense. It's just the way it is. It's hard. And there are some babies that are easier than others, and there's some toddlers that are easier than others, but usually they're not both easy infants and toddlers. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have I have had the honor of witnessing you guys grow as parents, like and and change as people and grow as individuals as you become parents. And it is beautiful the strength that the Lord is pulling out of you in this mm-hmm. and how you guys have rallied together to parent two beautiful daughters. I will say one thing that's interesting is a, a kind of a cool thing that I've grown in being a parent is because I, I don't like to normally have a voice and be the one. But when you have a toddler, like you got to, you know, <laughs> you got to have a voice yeah. or, you know, it's full down. Especially you know. when you're talking to Liberty. Yes. <laughs> um, so we have, we've speculated a lot about what Liberty's Enneagram type is. Um, Danielle thinks she's just like me. Um, <laughs> I think she, she could be actually. I, for a while I was like, no, she could be like a two or an eight or a three. Like she's too young. We don't know yet. But then like the more I talk to her and get to her, I'm like, oh my gosh, this child is just like me. And <laughs> but. Okay, but uh, does anyone see, like, the irony of if she was a seven, having the name Liberty? <laughs> <laughs> so much, so much irony. Yes. <laughs> so, anyway, whether she's a seven or an eight or a three or a two, she's very extroverted. And, mm-hmm. boy, does she know her words. She's mm-hmm. the most articulate toddler you will ever meet. And she can argue her way <laughs> out of anything. Yes. Oh my <laughs> so tell us more about that, Josiah. Yeah, so I mean, I think having toddlers like really given me a voice because I have to. Yeah. I have to have a voice, and I'm like, I'm not gonna. You know, a couple of times I've been like, you know what? I think my toddler is leading me. I'm not leading my toddler. You know, I mean, yeah. real talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, really having to have a voice. Okay, I need to. 
I have to have a voice now, you know, and so and being firm with what I'm saying needs to mm -hmm. happen. And so uh, it's cool to see that even go over into negotiations and real estate or yeah. different things where I have a little bit more confidence to say, no, this is the way, you know, this is the way it needs to be or whatever. And yeah. so that's kind of cool. And I would say, too, I don't I don't know if it happened because of parenting, but he has started to know more and more like what he wants um, to the point where like it's been an adjustment for me because most of the time and it sounds terrible. It sounds like I've been <laughs> selfish, but most of the time we would do like what I had suggested or where I wanted to go or whatever. And yeah. so when he started voicing and I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> How do I adjust to this? And so just because I was like, I want you to be able to do that. Yeah. You need to be able to do that. You need to be able to bring what's going on inside or what you're wanting to do to the forefront. It's important. So anyways, it's been, a, it was an adjustment when that growth started to happen. Cause mm -hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not, this is not the way that we functioned before. How do I function now? <laughs> so, but it's been good. Yeah. So how would you say your relationship has changed as you have been married a little bit longer and also adjusted to having two children? I know for me as a six, because I tend to be more uh, cautious about things, I've had to let my kids have fun with their dad. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, there's um, some people know about the dream park here in Fort Worth at the Trinity Park, and they have like, I don't know what that thing is called. The zip line? But yeah, it's like a little mm -hmm. zip line thing. How did I know? And <laughs> Josiah has been doing that with Liberty since she was probably one and a half, maybe yeah. two. And I just sit there and smile. As they go swinging down without holding on to her. Like, okay, it's going to be okay. But I want—I don't want them to be afraid. Yeah. And so it, a lot of times it's been kind of an internal thing. And sometimes I'll tell him later. Mm -hmm. um, but I try not to be overly that way because my kids need to be able to have the freedom to explore and see things. And, and he needs to be able to have fun with them without me being a helicopter mom. So... Mm -hmm. Um, I know that that I don't know if that's necessarily an adjustment. That's kind of a choice that I've had to make as an as a mom mm. that would tend towards anxiety and stress about everything that can go wrong. I don't feel like I do that that much with them, which is nice. But I yeah. know that that can be a tendency on the anxiety side to be too anxious to like let your kids even try stuff. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I want them to yeah. experience life as someone who's not even a six. Sometimes it terrifies me to see dads playing with their kids. Yeah. Because yeah. they do crazy things. That I, I feel like John is going to push further into the eight and I'm going to push further into the six if we become parents. <laughs> like, <laughs> probably. Yeah. He's going to be like, hey, let's just throw the child off here. And I'm going to be like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, like, I already, we already struggle with that dynamic with our dogs. Like, not even, like, <laughs> yep. It, it sounds like, like you're, you've just grown and becoming aware mm. of your tendency to want to try and control the things that you're afraid of. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's beautiful. When I think about you guys as a couple, I just think of so much peace. Um, and you, you bring stability and peace wherever you go. Um, and you just create home and space for people. You know, we joked about it earlier, but I, I'm a seven. John is an eight. Um, John and Josiah are brothers, and we are very close friends. <laughs> and uh, Josiah and Danielle are the people that hear all of John and my ideas. Like we have lots of ideas, and they just they just patiently hear every last one of them without judgment, 
They only offer criticism if we asked for it. So that's really great. (laughs) (laughs) And they're generally pretty positive. So, uh, but when we do ask like, hey, what are your thoughts on this? Or how do you feel about this? Over and over, you guys have been such a resource for us of wisdom and discernment and just really grateful for your friendship. Thank you. Yeah, we love you guys a lot. You've been great friends to us too. In retirement, I think there has been. A, there's another couple that we work with that he's very visionary as well. We've, we've been really close with, and it's funny because we we say that we're the breaks for them because he always has ideas <laughs> and like, oh, how are we going to do that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then on the opposite side, like we were talking about, how you know we tend to be slow movers, slow to make a decision. You know whether it be any kind of change. It took me forever just, you know, like when I changed change companies, you know, take me a year to decide, you know, to change companies or to, to do something. Mm-hmm. And so um, sometimes I think we can miss out too because we uh, we wait too long and check out all the mm-hmm. options and have to feel the peace and feel the stuff and it has to be all the stars aligned before, you know. And then we almost have to be pushed into it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but I will say I have learned so much as somebody who naturally pushes people when I can so clearly see like this is the next step this yeah. is this is what you're saying you want there it is and 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 used to be i would just like be like super pushy like like josiah you need to do this thing quit your job (laughs) 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 and 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 since learning about the enneagram i've learned that nines don't like to be pushed they shut down when they're pushed um so if you didn't know that uh there's a fun uh uh, relational dynamic if uh, you are a seven or an eight that has a nine friend don't push them it doesn't work (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't make them go faster Yeah, And it's not the most kind or loving thing. I think asking intentional questions about like, well, why would you stay at this point? And what, how does that align with what you're passionate about long term? And, you know, so like really intentional questions that kind of help them come to their own conclusions. That's wisdom. I will say the the general feeling of belief when, when I do feel like some of the person believes in me to do something that does, yes. that does help for sure. Uh, that might be my words of affirmation. Side, but yeah, not. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. That's intuitive. Yeah. Okay, so Josiah, as a nine married to a six, what do you think most people tend to misunderstand or just not get about Danielle as a person? Um, well, the first thing that came to mind isn't maybe what other people see. I think what maybe what she sees um, in herself. I think Danielle's always thinking that she's not responsible or like, oh, I need to make sure I'm showing myself to be responsible. Mm-hmm. She's also one of the most responsible. <laughs> people out there yeah, like if she insane. says she's gonna do it she's gonna do it you know and what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> nobody would ever think you're not responsible <laughs> that is not something you need to worry about <laughs> probably not <laughs> but it's an interesting dynamic because that's what i yeah. think it might be a common thing for for sixes to feel like they're not responsible yeah or to put on that um almost portray to other people that they think they aren't responsible mm-hmm. when they are i mean she does the admin stuff for my business because she's actually on top of it like on yeah. the, the details and i'm kind of a little bit more all over the place you know and so i trust that you know about her yeah that's actually a common thing for sixes is they will project how they fear people will perceive them mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can change a lot of their behavior, which can actually cause people to, to perceive them that way. Like it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. because it's motivated it's by fear. Yeah. I can um, see that. But other people probably aren't thinking that about you at all. Like, <laughs> so Danielle, as a six married to a nine, how would you say, like, what, what would you say people tend to miss or misunderstand about Josiah? Because he's not as vocal about, like, I think if he gets asked directly about something he has and he'll share his opinion but just because he's quiet or about things doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't have something to bring to the table. Yeah. Because sometimes I'm like, where he can be even sometimes at church or in a group thing with family or whatever. I'm like, I know that there's something going on up there, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, and so um, I don't know. He's had some pretty great leaders in his life that have pulled that out of him, but he's not going to naturally insert himself into something. Mm -hmm. And so just because he's quiet about something doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't have an opinion about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think so many personality types that have strength of leadership and such a strong voice and, you know, the, the core um, lie for that nines believe is that their presence doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And so fighting past that lie, overcoming that lie to be like, no, my presence does matter and my voice does matter and I'm going to choose to lead here because it's important mm-hmm. and because God's created me too. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Um, but, and I don't think nines are the only one that battle that. Um, I think there's multiple personalities types that do, but it's definitely really strong for nines. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I just feel like it's such a, such a scheme of the enemy to to silence their voice. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you you pointed that out. For people that are in relationship with people that are nines that they maybe work with or they're not super close so they aren't seeing that, I think it's really important to ask questions. Not to pull anything out of anyone, but to intentionally look at someone and get to know them and 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 look past oh there there's a little bit of they're, they're a little more reserved. What What's behind that? All right. Well, do you guys have any questions for me? I guess, so I guess you said about the nine and being in relationship with them in terms of helping that, you know, being aware of in a friendship to pull that, pull things out of them, ask questions or whatever to help them have a kind of a voice or bring things to the table. How would you, how, what would be a good way for a nine to kind of overcome that is it Mm. just i guess that's what my the question that came to my mind yeah so i think ultimately there's typically wounding that's associated with that tendency lies that you believed as a child because of specific traumas and therapy is a great place to address that which both of you guys have gone to therapy and Mm -hmm. um have gotten healing and and probably specifically on this um and so really the next step is is Getting, getting in touch with your body and your anger, engaging your anger. In the Type 9 episode that we recorded with Rachel a lot of you, she talked about, um, we asked her, like, what's the best advice you would give to an Enneagram 9? And she was like, like, work out. Like, she, she talked about how she would, she would start working out. She would go to the gym. She would start working out. And she would just get angry all of a sudden. And she was like, where, where did this come from? I was so angry. I, I didn't even know. And, and there is... 
it, there's something about nines that are they're they're so disengaged from the physical environment because they're trying to maintain inner peace mm-hmm. and so engaging with their physical body allows them to come in contact with their emotions which you need that in mm-hmm. order to you need to be able to be aware of your anger when it arises to motivate you to speak out in a crowd and to be bold and to say things mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you say it in anger it means that 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 emotion coming up is an indicator for you yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's a a flag flying high like hey <laughs> guess what there's something up here <laughs> something needs to be said <laughs> and um so if you aren't engaged with that or aware of that then that's going to really hold you back so that that really comes down to like on a daily basis like like do kickboxing like you know <laughs> yeah. like like do something that's going to really engage um anger in you um and not to be like aggressive that's not the goal <laughs> it's just um helping you be aware mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i will say one of the i would gone to a freedom event thing at gateway church and they had this time to express anger and i was like i and i actually went to our small group leader and i was like i feel to do this and he's like that's what we're supposed to be doing right now he's like <laughs> i'm like i felt like i had to get permission to be you know to, wow. to do it uh, so i go and then and so then i did but i was surprised i was like oh wow that's in there you know because <laughs> wow. it was pretty intense you know yeah. like screamo kind of a feel you know and you're like yeah. wait everybody feels this way this isn't just me like this is okay yeah. wow yeah, you should go to, to to one of Franco's metal concerts. Oh. Just like <laughs> just like get really into it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's that would be something. I, that's that's a ministry right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say like on the the flip side, there's an interesting dynamic when like wanting internal peace of actually being able to be still because mm-hmm. there's this stillness. Like when I get there, that I think I feel all the emotions and so i kind of want to not be still and be quiet because then i feel the emotions too Mm. um but then i'm wanting internal peace and quiet internally so this is a weird dynamic kind of internal dynamic too yeah on that side so because in my example earlier about um you know laughing and having fun like sometimes it's hard for me to get to that place you know um Mm -hmm. internally um yeah so so Danielle asked a question, kind of asking for insight into something Josiah struggles with that's true to his Enneagram type. Josiah, do you have any questions about something that Danielle may be struggling with or comes up for her as a type six that um, that maybe I could speak to you as an Enneagram coach? Yeah, I think just probably, probably the biggest is just managing some of that anxiety, you know, mm. and the fears and then um probably maybe almost the as much the actual anxiety is the guilt over the anxiety because i feel like there can be mm, a lot of like guilt good. over, the, over mm-hmm. you know you have the anxiety and then you feel the guilt and then the anxiety's gone and now you know yeah. you still like have the residual i think mm. guilt that can be there yeah so i mean there's so much in terms of processing anxiety that i don't feel qualified to talk about yeah. in a lot of ways 
yeah, definitely there are so many things that help people who are struggling with anxiety. Exercise is one of them. And so is um, meditation and sitting in silence. But I think for a type six, especially journaling regularly is super important. And just as you're journaling, asking God specific questions like, God, what are the emotions I'm feeling right now? Where are they coming from? What are the lies that 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 are attached to this mm-hmm. and and letting that go like on a, a at least a weekly basis yeah that's good yeah i definitely need to do more journaling i've do better when i journal and for some reason and um i think one of our other sister-in-laws is a three and we were discussing she's like if you ever have i know i go to we go you go to three and un or an unhealth or whatever. So if you see me doing something, and so I was just talking, I was talking about myself and, and not processing as we touched on it earlier, but like not processing emotions, not actually sitting down and, and just kind of bulldozing through life, you know, without ta- like letting myself work through those things. And so I think what's happened is I have in my head, Oh, it's going to take hours for me to journal to get this out. And really in the space of about 20 to 30 minutes, God like shifts something as I'm praying and journaling about whatever's going on. If I give space to do that, you Mm. know, so just trying to get um, past the idea that it's going to take a long time to do Mm. and also just take, you know, sitting there and letting, letting myself feel so that I can heal and move on or not hold on to it. Cause I know going back to being a parent, if I don't deal with, what's going on internally usually comes out in anger or frustration towards my girls instead of it go going, feeling it, giving to Lord and moving on. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, journaling has definitely helped when I actually take the time to do it. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I think also for the six, there's so much because sixes are aware of how everything's going to play out in the future. It's, they're not, they, they can't tell the future, but they're like really close. Okay. Like they, they have in mind, if I make this decision, it will lead to this, which will lead to this, which will lead to this, which will lead to this in 20 years and every decision that they make. And (laughs) so they have to think things through, which again, that comes back to like kind of being slow to make decisions or bring about change because you're really processing through how this is going to affect everything else. Um, and so the the weight of that is impossible to carry. Yeah. I think yeah. it's it's a little bit soul crushing for the type six. And it zaps their energy. It it causes them to really struggle with some hard perfectionism. And it, to really it really causes a lot of self doubt. So I wanna I wanna ask about what does that pressure feel like for you? What does the weight of that feel like for you? And also for Josiah what is that like for you as somebody who tends to live life very weightless? Um, the weight of the, the, the pressure of the future and the consequences of every decision. Like, what does that look like for, for both of you in navigating that? I think I feel the pressure more with my girls, like long term, mm. like wanting them to be healthy, to love Jesus, to, you know, not, I guess, as a parent, not wanting to to do the wrong thing. And so the perfectionism piece for me, which God has brought a lot of healing through going to my counselor and going to therapy. But for some reason, when I became a parent, it cycled back through that there's another layer that God's like, I don't really want you to carry that, you know? And so trying not to do that, I don't know that I'm always aware of it. Josiah might actually have more insight than 
on that than me just because he sees it. Whereas I may not even necessarily, cause it's a part of who I am. I may not even know that I'm doing it. So he might see probably more of it. Or I could be I like do. totally wrong too. That's, that's also yeah. valid. Be like, Jess, no, you, you didn't get it this time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, I think there is a lot of like kind of predicting the future is kind of funny because like we'll be driving and then somebody will like cut over, you know, cut us off or something. And she's like, you didn't see that they were coming. I knew they were going to move over. <laughs> it's true. I think I'm a really bad, uh, what do you call it? Backseat driver. Best backseat driver. <laughs> I'm working on it. But it's funny because she's thinking about what are these, you know, what's going to happen in, in the worst case scenario. So um, I will say sometimes I almost just have to kind of detach myself because it it causes my anxiety level mm. to go up. And then, you know, my internal peace that's so important to me, you know, starts to uh, to dwindle. And so sometimes I have kind of had to almost just kind of step, step away or just I kind of have to realize it, actually probably the most healthy thing is when I realize that that's her thing because I think I start to – kind of start to carry the weight of whatever she's feeling mm. and realize like she's in a process and, and allow her to be on the process or speak truth. But I don't have to necessarily carry the weight of that mm. anxiety internally for me to, um, cause that gets really heavy if I carry all of hers plus any of my own you yeah. know, anxiety. Um, so I almost feel it in my body. I think sometimes just when I start to carry that, and I think when um, he's growing in this, because I've had to say, I, I'm like, I have to be allowed to be where I'm at without worrying that you're going to pick it up. Hmm. Um, and so that's kind of this weird tension where, yes, I need to be aware that he's going to do that. But then I also have to have the freedom to be where I'm at. So it's been this really interesting dynamic that we've probably talked through pretty recently because yeah. mm-hmm. I'm like... I don't know what to do because I still have to have permission to work through my anxiety and move forward without being worried that now you're going to carry that because then my anxiety levels go up because <laughs> yeah. I'm worried yeah. he's carrying what I just took on, you know? Yeah. So um, I think he's getting better at it. Mm. I, I'm noticing that when I'm like in a bad headspace at home with whatever's going on with the girls or whatever, like he is getting better about doing that. But mm. It's definitely something that we've had to like start talking about and work through in, in a dynamic of our marriage. So, yeah. Cause yeah. I think sometimes I feel like if she has anxiety that there's something wrong with us mm. or there's something wrong with me or something's wrong, you know, and that, mm-hmm. and it's like, it really doesn't have anything to do with me, you know, most yeah. of the time. <laughs> um, and I try to inner, tell him that yeah. like, this mm-hmm. doesn't have anything to do with you. This is just where I'm at right now. Yeah. So but my, I think my internal peace thing is like, I got to find a reason, you know, something. Gotta I, fix it. <laughs> so I can be okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Man, what you guys just talked about is so profound. That dynamic of finding the kind of the, the lines of those emotional boundaries within yeah. your own relationship, knowing, yes, we are one person, but also here's where I end and you begin. Like, yeah. like that's so beautiful. Um, I think so few couples really, really do that, like really, really figure that out, like get to that point and, um, and, and either they completely dissociate or they enmesh and they take Mm -hmm. on too much of one another stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just a really beautiful dynamic that you guys have highlighted within your own relationship of how you're growing in this season. Thank you so much for 
so vulnerably sharing that. Yeah. Okay, so one more question before we end. What is the the characteristic of your spouse that brings you the most joy? I'd say the way that she's uh, intentional with the way that she loves me. Um, like she's very just thoughtful. She's like really thinking through what I would need or what I would want, you know, packs my bags cause I'm spontaneous and late and, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> for spending the night in my parents tonight, you know, and, um, just those, all those little thoughtful things throughout the day. Mm. Um, just very aware, I think of, of me and my needs. Um, and, um, yeah, it's awesome. Oh, that's such a talent of the six, though. So it is. I love it. (laughs) Um, I probably say his ability to make things light, like his Mm. optimism. I know sometimes we've laughed because sometimes he's so optimistic that it drives me crazy, but it's the thing that I love about him too. And so I just yeah. want to be grumpy. <laughs> I want you to be mad with me. <laughs> but I think so, yeah, that and I think just being like really affirming. Mm. Um, he's really good with words, which is something I have to work at mm-hmm. for him. I know that's a big thing to have affirmation that way. So I have to actually think about it, but it comes very naturally to him. So words of affirmation come from him all the time. And, um, that has been a blessing. So probably those two things uh, bless me the most. So, yeah. <laughs> it's so sweet. <laughs> guys, you're so sweet. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast, for sharing so vulnerably about your life and your family. And I'm, I'm just so blessed to have you guys in my life and to know you. And thank you for being here. Yeah, we enjoyed thanks. it. Yeah, thanks for having us. We love you. That's it for today. I'm so grateful for those of you who have been listening and sharing the podcast. If you love this episode or if you learned something new today, leave a review on iTunes, follow us on Instagram at Originality Podcast and at my personal Instagram where I share all kinds of fun Enneagram related content at Just Loves Personality. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I'd like to close out our time together with a quote from C.S. Lewis. No man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth, you'll become original without ever having noticed it. Until next time.